What's up, everyone? You're listening to On Sunday on the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is a weekly episode where three pastors get together in a dank basement on a Monday, and we put it out on Tuesday, and that's why we call it On Sunday, because we're talking about what happened on Sunday. If you want to participate, send us a question. You can do that by emailing office at canbychristian.org. Um, and if you live in the Canby area and you're looking for a church, you don't have a church that you call home, we'd love it if you check out Canby Christian. Uh, go to canbychristian.org for more information. I'm Cody. And I am Rob. <laughs> and I'm Aaron. And we're the three Rob pastors about to have this conversation. People weren't near their microphones <laughs> when I started that. That was totally my fault. But Aaron... How yeah. Have you, how have you been this week? Uh, I've been good. I got a funny text message from you yesterday le- evening that <laughs> oh, said, yeah. oh, yeah, we had church this morning because <laughs> it was a really long day yesterday. That was a long, that uh, was like multiple days. It, yeah. It, it is funny when you go through a lot of things in a, in a day and you think back to your day and it feels like whatever you did that morning was earlier in the week. But yeah, we had church in the evening, and then we had trunk nope. or treat. I'm sorry, Flip church that. in the morning. Yep. Trunk or treat. See, I'm still waking up and figuring yeah. it out. <laughs> We're all out of it. This will be an interesting podcast. But I, was, I thought <laughs> I thought it was. It, it is sort of interesting to when these when holidays fall on a Sunday or right near that. Like obviously, a Halloween following on that day um, was a little bit interesting. And we've done a trunk or treat the last few years. I, I've been here for four years now, so it was my fourth trunk or treat here and i'm gonna you be did t- it last year during covid i'm sorry we did not oh you're okay. right we and didn't we, i don't think has, i feel like it's been two years since we did it well your first right? year here you we did it you got yeah. here in september we did it the next month so we just didn't do it in 2020 um but we did one in 2019 um i i i loathe church events like this <laughs> i really a do strong word yeah because often Weird trait t- for a pastor, but okay. Well, it's just one of those like <laughs> sometimes churches put too much stock in church events to like draw new people into okay. their church yeah, gotcha. is what I'm saying. You know, they, they're married to a method that they think is going to attract non-Christians into their church. And so they spend a ridiculous amount of money and a lot of people show up. And it's what some call theotainment. And and it's this really fun sort of community event and things like that. But they don't really assess like, well, what is our primary purpose and mission and goal? And, and how are we spending resources, resources of time and treasure to, to put on these events? And so uh, but so I, I when I first got here, I was not really all that excited about doing a trunk or treat. But then I saw the unique opportunity that this church has doing a trunk or treat event which is extremely low cost i mean we're talking candy and not even a lot of it and most of it's donated and then just bring and then just setting up some easy ups and lights and and a a a booth and just things like that it's really low on uh time and finances on on the church and yet i mean hundreds of people from our community roll through and if if we can uh, be present mm-hmm. in the community and be able to meet people, and and I think it's it puts a good taste in the mouth of the people in our community, and so I've really enjoyed being a part of it the last few years, 
and uh, I know that the community, the people who come are really appreciative of, of us being out there. And I think especially yesterday because of COVID and yeah, yeah, you can just tell people are, they want to get out. They want to get back on with their lives and seeing people moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they were really encouraged by that. And I was able to see some people that I haven't seen in a while, uh, which was also good, uh, to see and participate in, but yeah, so I've enjoyed it and I appreciated everybody who helped out and decorated a car and set up and did all the work and stuff like that. But it's, mm -hmm. it was good. Yeah. We had a lot of volunteers that really came through. In fact, we, uh, we kind of pulled volunteers the night of like some folks were just like, we need more help. And they just jumped in. Yeah. A lot of people were just like, how can I help? And they were jumping in and, and helping. I think, uh, yeah, there's a lot to learn and next year we can do it and we can do it maybe a little bit more efficiently. But yeah, the, the cost was low. The time commitment was low, yeah. but we saw so many people oh, hundreds come and hundreds out. And I hundreds. Was, we had 200 welcome bags we prepared. Ashley did, who was kind of overseeing it, our, our children's ministry director. Yeah, that wasn't enough. She had 200 thinking, because she had spoken to people because, you know, we're new. She's new to the area. She'd right. never been a part of this. She spoke to some of the members of the church who'd done it in the past, and they said, oh, yeah, we see like uh, 200, maybe maybe 300 kids somewhere in that. That was what she was sort of told. And anyways, she's like, okay, that makes sense. That seems about right, judging the mm -hmm. size of her. So we got 200 bags ready with like welcome invitations and glow sticks and all these kinds of things. Um, they were gone within 30 minutes of us beginning the event wow. and three times as many people ended up coming. So, uh, yeah. So <laughs> we had, we had more than we had anticipated, but everyone was just seemed to have so much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we loved it. So we had a, we had a, we had a really good time and I hope that, yeah, people who came in were blessed by our presence and were, you know, interested in, in coming in and checking yeah. out the church because yeah. everyone did get the invitations and, and they had the information there and, yeah, and people just people seemed so grateful to be <clears throat> there. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have these events and it's, you know, all call whoever shows up and you get kind of weird interactions. And someone actually asked me, like, they were talking about their church and she's like, seems like some people, you know, just feel entitled to stuff where it's like, dude, we're offering this to you for free. Like, why are you? Mm. And I, they're like, does that ever happen to you? And I was like, dude, not, not yesterday. <laughs> like, it didn't play out that way at all. Mm -mm. Like, everyone seemed so grateful, so happy that there was something to do, uh, which was really cool. Yeah. But Rob, it's your first it was your first Halloween in the Northwest. It's true. Have you ever been that cold while while out oh, on yeah. Halloween? <laughs> oh yeah. Well actually <clears throat> maybe it was more more cold than most Halloween celebrations I've been a part of. Um but no it it was cool. What I realized though was I'm getting old because after mm. a whole day of moving things around, setting up tents and moving furniture from the basement of this church. I was like, Oh my gosh, dude, I am, I'm just, I feel so sore at the end of the day. I'm like, well, I just yeah. need to, I need to work out, dude. Yeah. yeah. I was, you need to start taking some vitamin D. Yeah. Here. Uh, I got to get my Volti yeah, multivitamin. Yeah, a little supplementation might be, might be in order. <clears throat> but, but praise, praise the Lord though. Cause the weather was amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it been raining awesome. for like two weeks straight. And it's, it's raining gonna, all it's this gonna week. Rain all weekend. And just oh yeah, the part the Red Sea here, the sky was day. amazing on Sunday. Praise yeah. the Lord for that. But speaking of other uh, new the Northwest stuff, I think you've been there before, but you 
you hit a big Portland landmark <clears throat> this weekend, mm. right, Rob? Oh yeah, we went to the zoo. We visited the zoo years ago. Me and me and Mallory with some friends, and we didn't even have little kids at the time. But anyways, kind of an impromptu thing. I have discovered now that my wife has a job where she works from home. Mm. She so it used to be the case that she would obviously go and and be in the workplace for most of the week. So on the weekends it would drain her and she's like i just want to stay home which is understandable and now it's the reverse this got, new I side of my wife out of here. she's been in the house working in her home office all week the weekend comes she she cannot stand to be in the house anymore um it's interesting but anyway so we kind of just like let's go do something and like on the road we were thinking about doing some different things pumpkin patch like we were just debating literally as we're driving let's go to the zoo because we haven't been there and it would be it ended up being a really cool event because it was the day before Halloween. And so they had a bunch of, you know, Halloween themed stuff going on at the zoo. It was super packed, a lot of fun, a lot of people. Were the animals in costume? <laughs> no. People <laughs> were in costume, like animals. Were the lions dressed up like zebras? And <laughs> No, that would have been a problem. Um, but we were going up there and we just decided because we thought we 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 had a lot of fun we loved the place so but in the past we just wanted to get the membership because the one day admission is almost the same price i mean you got to put in you know 20 or 30 dollars more for than what we pay for a single day to get like the the year hmm. so we did that but then when we get to the front gate after buying our membership which for me Mallory and my 7 year old the baby's free is like 160 bucks and we're like we just you know let's do it because we'll come back i have family coming up to visit the zoo is a great place to go and visit and take people and it's very cost you know low cost compared to other things so we're like let's do it but then we get to the gate and they're like oh yeah membership tickets are sold out and what? we were just like wait huh so there's like an allotted tickets for members <laughs> and then there's general admission yeah and it's like i guess it's because it's like a COVID thing they can only have a certain amount of people so we, so you could buy a membership and then come too late to go into the zoo, yes. even though you're the one who bought the membership beforehand? This is basically what we told the customer <laughs> service lady. And she was like, yeah, sorry, nothing we can do. And my we were just like... So you didn't get in the zoo? No, no, hear me out. Oh we my thought gosh, we weren't getting... My, my seven-year-old... So I'm sorry, my seven-year-old kid... <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging on the edge of my know, seat dude. now. Land the plane. Dude, I got I got two kids that want to see the elephants. Yes, you know? of course. And this woman is just like, no. So then this other lady comes up and you could tell she's like, she's a grandma. You know, she's she's just feeling for my wife who's now at this point so kind of frustrated by spending all this money and not even being allowed in that she's almost to tears. Like, I can I just get a refund? And that anyways. So she's like, we're going to work it out. She goes back. She works it out. She comes out and, you know, it's just like, go to the zoo, go have fun. We'll figure it out. Here's your tickets. So they ended up getting us in. And it was kind of like, it was weird because the first person we talked to was totally just cold shoulder. Like, yeah, sorry. We'll see you later. Come it's, back another it's day. protocol, dude. They're just following protocol. Uh, I know. Anyways, the long story short, we got to go to the zoo and we had fun and it was cool. Praise and, the uh, Lord for that. We'll yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's get into the Bible. How about yeah. that? You want to? Romans <laughs> no, chapter dude, 9 so and 10. <laughs> no, dude, because there's another zoo episode going on here because Cody has his in-laws living at his house <laughs> oh, right now. Oh, no. You said it. <laughs> my house is no. <laughs> no, my in-laws are cool. No, but they yeah, are. They are. They're, they're amazing. Saying, it's funny. Uh, they're, they're having their wood floors redone, so mm. they're living with us. 
Um, and uh, Riley, our, my girls have been super excited for this. The you know, and Riley was like, I can't believe Grams and Papa are gonna live with us for two years. Two years? <laughs> 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 it's, no, it's no. two weeks. Yeah, two yeah. weeks. But yeah, so it's been fun to have them. We're you know we get along really well, and so they're hanging out. We're having fun. We played. Uh, I got a, a new game for us that the girls were excited to play with Grandma and Grandpa called uh, Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza, <laughs> and so we played that the other day. Uh, Max, one of our uh, youth leaders, brought uh-huh. it to a oh, that's cool. brought it to a, a youth leaders party recently, and we had a lot of fun. But the girls want to do what we saw when we learned to play the game. The uh, the two uh, there's three people playing, and the people that didn't lose, uh, they got to eat taco pizza with goat cheese on it. But the person who lost had to eat taco pizza with goat cheese and cat food on it. So they're eating a taco cat food goat cheese pizza. And so the girls want to try that sometime. Make oh, the make the, the loser eat something gross. But uh enough about that. Like <laughs> and <laughs> uh yeah, so let's jump in to the scripture. We uh, we were looking at Romans. We backed up really briefly into Romans nine to take us right back into Romans mm-hmm. ten. Uh, so if you want to read along with us, uh, you can pause the podcast and grab your Bible. Uh, we're going to be at Romans nine, starting in verse thirty, and here's what it says. Uh, it says, "What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith." But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For in Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. One more verse. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's kind Mm. of the big one, right? I almost left off the best part. Mm. Quotation from Joel, right? Mm -hmm. Joel 2.32. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was, I was, I didn't comment earlier. I, I had a, I've mentioned him before. He's actually pretty sure before, one of my professors at 
CBU when I was getting my theology degree, he had a pastoral leadership class. And in this class, he gave us a bunch of what I, what I called his Dr. Morgan truisms. They're like just Mm -hmm. these facts about life and they're just really wise sayings. But this is a bunch of young people who are aspiring to be in ministry or pastors or whatever. And one of them stuck out to me that I thought about this last week that he said in light of the sermon was this, you still need to work on last week's sermon. (laughs) And then (laughs) the bracket was put one more edit after you're done preaching. And also you have to apply what you're preaching. But I I thought about that because I now remember the conversation and this was five years ago, but I remember the conversation around this because, and, but I didn't really know cause I wasn't preaching regularly. Um, but I've, I've had the same experience now where like I, you know, you write a sermon and everybody who preaches is their own worst critic. They think, how could I have said right. that better or more clearly, or that illustration didn't work or that structure didn't work, or I should have put this here, there or whatever. Anyway. Um, but this last week I just kept mulling it over and mulling it over and, and thinking, uh, man, I wish I could have done a few more edits on that in, in regard to just clarity on some things. And, and I've thought about it and I thought this would be a good place for us to talk about some of those things in the, yeah in the podcast, you know? So you're um, going to re-preach the whole sermon right now differently? No, oh, no, no, that would be a w- w- waste of time. Oh. Um, but the podcast will be a better sermon than what you heard on Sunday. It'll just be some of the things I've thought like, man, I really wish I would have focused on that a little bit more. But well, as a, as another example, I was, we were going to do the Reformation Sunday mm-hmm. and it's just thinking about like what really thinking hard of where are we supposed to be? And we can talk more about the Reformation Sunday thing uh, or why, why we do that later on. But just being sensitive to, is this the text that we were supposed mm-hmm. to look at? Like, I mean, I was just going to jump into chapter 10, but then as I looked at the passage, I'm like, wait a second, you can't just look at 10. You got to go back mm-hmm. a few yeah. more verses. And right. this is a good uh, example of where chapter breaks may not be the best help to you as you're reading the Bible. Yeah. Um, that the logical structure and there's a reason why probably a good reason why they put chapter 10 verse one right there and they do put the the chapter break but but paul didn't but paul didn't yeah Yeah, some people don't realize that this was a letter written to a church yes and it didn't have numbers smacked in between all the sentences and (laughs) paragraphs right yeah like 9 10 and 11 should really just be read in one sitting i mean it's it's really one big consistent thought and and obviously nine is connected to eight um but these are definitely the more obvious structure and the the end of nine flows really easily into chapter 10 and and i think the breaks sometimes show an unnatural division that shouldn't really be there, but it was good to go back and you can see the, um, yeah. the sort of the connections of that. And a lot of what we talked about today of stuff that you said you, uh, you wish you had worked into your sermon as you were thinking about it later, wouldn't necessarily have changed no. your sermon that much. No. But what you realized was like, there was a way you could have made the point a lot more clear. Yeah. And one of the words was conversion was conversion. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about that? Well, like, like what is I guess a big question that every reader of the Bible and and well in this sense every reader of Romans needs to ask is Paul what are you saying here 
And that's a great question because you just keep coming back to that and it boils down and boils down and boils down. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you want me to, what facet of theology of God, of myself or whatever are you trying to teach in this? And obviously we knew uh, last week and the week before he was this, having this discussion on election, which is sort of pulling the veil back on God. What are you doing behind the scenes of Mm -hmm. what we, what we can't see that's a part of your eternal plan and exists in the mystery of of god's purposes um but what what do we know what do we understand and so there's these words that move so it's election but then that moves naturally into conversion Mm -hmm. and then conversion moves naturally into our need for evangelism which is what we'll get into further in in chapter 10 in his logic um so yeah that was where i was probably struggling a little bit was moving through these uh, the, this thought and finding that, that word, what are you really getting to? And what he's describing here is what conversion actually looks like. Hmm. So even if someone is like, we're going back behind the veil, they are chosen by God before the foundation of the earth to receive his mercy. Okay. But well, what happens next? Well, they still need to actually convert, uh, to faith in Jesus Christ and that is not that difficult (laughs) and we make it difficult and that's what he's uh showing the jews that they're doing is you guys made this process of being right with god far too difficult and that's why you never got there it's 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 right there it's on the tip of your tongue it's in your mouth isn't that what what it says in deuteronomy 30 isn't that what god's word said back in the day it's Mm -hmm. on the tip of your tongue um and then of course he actually literally puts the words in their mouth. Jesus is Lord. In, in case we're lacking clarity here, yeah. this is this is the word that's on the tip of your tongue that needs to come out. And in this, you are converted. It's a, it's a uh, confessional statement that produces conversion. Um, and, and he describes it there very popularly, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And, you know, these are the, this section I think is a really popular set of verses. We know it from the Romans road and all of that, but yeah, anyway, um, the theme of conversion is what he's talking about here. And, and, uh, but yeah. And, and what do you think, how does that offer more clarity than what you felt like you said on Sunday? I think it offers more clarity. Like you were saying, I don't think, you know what it, what I, when I realized it, when I was sitting on my couch scraping my chin, realizing, man, I could have said this better, (laughs) was I saw, and hopefully you guys saw it, and hopefully everybody else saw it when we were reading the passage, was how he kept bouncing back and forth between Gentiles and Jews. And it's like, listen, the Jews, they had faith, you had works. Uh, They have uh, grace, you have the law. Uh, they received righteousness, uh, you didn't. They stumbled, um, but you Gentiles did not. And he just kept going back and forth and back and forth and showing these contrasts. But then the other contrast was, you you have zeal, um, well, they have submission to God's righteousness. And and then the, the last part, the you think it's far, it's actually near. It's right there on the tip of your tongue. And so these back and forth things of trying to uh, recalibrate, realign their thinking, moving the telescope 
around so they can see more clearly. But it made me think about this book um, on conversion that I really enjoyed uh, by a guy that I also really enjoy. His name is Michael Lawrence, and he's up in Portland. Um, we'll have him come and preach here one day. Maybe we'll have him on the podcast or something. But he wrote a book on conversion, and his chapters are amazing. He's talking about what it looks like to basically be a converted Christian. Mm. And his chapters are like this, new, not nice, saved, not sincere, disciples, not decisions, holy, not healed, distinct, not designed. And then he goes on to actually like, well, how do you communicate that gospel? And what he says is summon, so summon to repentance, don't sell, (laughs) assess before you assure, be charitable, not chari. And I, I don't know, I just love those like compare and contrast, compare and contrast. What was the last one? Chari- <laughs> he, that chari. last one's good. Uh, you could tell he's stretching for the word there. I know, I was like, they're all alliteration, so you know it's good. But the, <laughs> the charitable, not chari, he has a little sub thing, is the danger of an overly pure church. So somebody, it's like, listen, I don't know what's going on in someone's heart. I don't know if they're actually, listen, they've confessed Jesus. Uh, they're showing some signs of fruit. I don't need to look at their lives for the next five years to really, really, really make sure that they're converted. I, I don't, you know, at some point of the day, mm. you have no idea. Only God knows. Um, but you go off of their confession of faith and their uh, somewhat evidences of fruit. Yeah. Um, so basically, he's like, dude, don't be sin sniffers. Don't be like, hold this high bar. Mm-hmm. Um, be charitable right. with people. Um, not too strict or anything like that. Not but too chary. Not too I use chary. that word all the time. I'm so, chary, I'm so, yeah. I don't know. Chary. I'm, I'm not chary here. I'm nodding my head going, oh, know. okay, but I still don't know what chary means. It's whatever. a great point, though. It is a great point. <laughs> it is a great point. He went yeah. to Cambridge, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we're from uh, we're from the West Coast. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he t- in, in the first couple of chapters, he talks about, like, I really liked that new, not nice chapter. Mm. Like, that's... When we're th- when we're talking about conversion to Jesus, we're talking about new people. The old right. has passed away, <clears throat> new has come, and he has this great line in here. One of the main ways we teach nice is how we present Christ, and then he goes on. We commend Christ and the gospel as a method of self improvement. So this is yep. one way that we falsely preach or teach conversion is that we're talking about commending Christ as like, hey, you're missing something, which kind of goes to the illustration that you were talking about earlier about holding on to stuff and how we don't want to let go of those things. <laughs> like we know something is wrong. We're, we're working really hard. We've got, uh, e- even in my own conversion experience, I remember as a, like right before I became a Christian, I had kind of done everything I wanted to do. Um, I had this girlfriend that I really liked. I had a job that I really enjoyed. I was making good money. I was living on my own. I was living the lifestyle I wanted to live, which was extremely secular and horrible, but it was what I wanted to live. And, and yet I was empty. Of course, adding Jesus to that scenario would not have helped. I would have needed to get rid of all of those things, but so many people live good lives. They have good jobs. They, they love their spouses. They have good kids and yet they're empty. Mm Mm-hmm. And they think, well, all I just need to do is just add Jesus to this already somewhat awesome life to to take me over the edge and really like make my cup overflow. Mm-hmm. And and that's not that's just self improvement, Jesus. That's not lordship, Jesus. And that's not conversion. 
Um, that's just, again, like therapeutic uh, right. Christianity. Well, ultimately, it's not submitting to the righteousness of Christ. Right. It's, it's creating a work. If I do this thing to improve myself and use Christ as almost a tool, then you're, you're not pursuing righteousness according to knowledge like the, it, like the Israelites were doing. Right. We're sort of using it to, to help them make them holy or to make them acceptable to people around them right, socially, right, right. but they weren't actually admitting that no, nothing that they had was worth right. <laughs> the, the reality of who Christ was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, I thought that was uh, a good point to bring. Um, mm-hmm. That conversion is far deeper than uh, just like adding something new mm-hmm. to to your life in order to improve it to some degree, you know? Right. It's truly abandoning yourself and everything that you think you're bringing to the table. And letting go of sin is really hard. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you when you think about it, when you just take a step back, you're going, Jesus is asking me to just let go of my sin. Right. The thing that is destroying my life. Like, what is he really asking <laughs> us to give up? Um, and and he's when he says the hyperbolic, like he who does not hate father and mother, like he's not actually saying never talk to your parents again. Like, give up those. He's not saying give up those good things. What he's saying is give up those good things as ultimate things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really not uh he's trying to help us right he's saying you're you're holding on to things that you think are going to improve your life and and they're not um and so anyway i think that that's uh an important thing to consider what jesus is actually asking us to give up when we convert it's all the things that ultimately isn't going to bring us true happiness and mm. and joy and and meaning in our lives and of course hope for eternity yeah. <laughs> um, we're settling for the present satisfaction. But yeah. Right. Yeah. But you were talking about that illustration earlier, um, the holding on to something or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was memorable. probably because you're a football fan. I thought. <laughs> and <laughs> and the Seahawks. I've been hitting the face with a lot of football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Seahawks did win. I don't know how. Uh, they they well they played the did uh, they know how though they played the other like worst team in the league oh, <laughs> that was well. how they won but uh but they looked a lot better than the worst team in the league so that's a good sign very good I mean they didn't look similar to the worst team in the league so <laughs> yeah but I yeah I just think that's a really memorable way of thinking about it that we do we do a walk in our lives holding on to so many things that are not as important as uh as we think they are and so i just thought that was a really memorable um illustration of walking you got a box and someone says hey aaron here you go and throws the football to you and you have two choices (laughs) you know you're either gonna get smashed in the face with the ball and totally miss it miss out on what was being offered to you or you're gonna drop the box and catch it and it's a you said i think first service that it's actually a pretty easy catch. Like it's a good throw. It's yeah. going to hit you right it's in the hands. Right in the hands. Like you're, <laughs> all you got to do is grab it, but you can't do it. And it's funny. I think even if you just you know think of that analogy again, oftentimes we as Christians we're carrying the ball and we're feeling really good, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, but I do want this thing too. And yeah. You like pick yeah. up a few things, and now all of a sudden you know you're juggling the ball right. with the all the other stuff. You you know you maybe you drop the box to catch it. But you're trying to pick all your other garbage back up. Back again, up, you know? yep. Um, but I saw That's it was a, a really point. memorable way of thinking about that that conversion idea. You know that it, it, it in a 
broad sense, it's not about what you brought with you. You right. are actually leaving that stuff behind. Right. Um, to, why to why is it so hard, offer. you know? We think we're holding this thing. We're like, I spent so much time working and building this this thing I've created that I'm holding, and I can't let it go, you know? And it, well, it's what do you so think, hard Rob? for us. What do you think? I think just that. It's, it's we have been going in one direction zealously. Mm. And then the reality yeah. of who God is actually is headed for us. And now we're at a crossroads where we have to admit everything I've done is utterly worthless. <laughs> very hard. That's, that's, that's a, very hard. Yeah. yeah. In comparison to the, the glory of who God. It is unsettling and it, it shakes us down to our bones. It, we're we're going to either become a new creation by God's grace and accept that or, or we're going to cling mm. on to those things that we think are so important. And in, in the end, they're just not. I, I remember... My grandma is a Jehovah's Witness, and like I've said before, we were raised Jehovah's Witness up until I was 11, right before I turned 12. And when I became a Christian years later, when I was 20, I remember either having a conversation with someone about my grandma or with my grandma. I think it was with my grandma. This was a long time ago, and I was a very zealous evangelist early on in my, uh, and I still am, but... I reacted very quickly and I wanted to talk to people about Jesus. And I believe I was talking to my grandma and I was asking her some very honest, genuine questions about the way she, she thought about Jesus because they have a completely mm. bad Christology. And I remember it kind of came to a point where she couldn't answer my simple questions. And she did say, Aaron, I've been going this direction for too long. I can't stop now. Mm. and that's that's a that was a she was being very honest that's it's just an interesting honest statement yeah but yeah some people are like listen i've been throwing everything all my resources all of my life decisions into this i can't quit now i all of my hope is built in this they could be sincerely wrong but she's hoping that maybe her sincerity will will get her there or something mm. i don't know what she's holding on but i just remember thinking that's a pretty hopeless dead end to this conversation so nothing i can say or convince you no truth i could put in front of you will ever convert you because you could never let go of this box in your hand which is all your life decisions you've made over the last you know 60 something years or whatever it was at that time um but yeah that was that was pretty hard that yeah. was a uh, that was an emptying feeling hmm. um but i i think too a, a solution to that it reminds me when you were saying that it reminded me of the parable of the treasure in the field or mm. the pearl of great price and those being descriptors about either the kingdom or Jesus or the gospel there's debate over that but these people they have all this treasure and then they go one guy goes in a field and he's like wait a second uh there's a treasure and he goes and sells everything he has in order to purchase this field everything that was in his life basically became uh, something that he was ready to get rid of mm -hmm. in order to purchase this field. And the same for the, the Pearl of Great Price. There was this trader and he had all this stuff and then he finds this great pearl and he's like, I, I don't care about anything else. I just want, I, need, I need this. And that's mm -hmm. sort of what conversion is, right? It's yeah. everything that I have, all of the things I've put my stock in uh, and, and energy and uh, meaning, 
wow, all of that means nothing to me anymore. And I would quickly get rid of all of that stuff in order to lay hold of Christ and hold on to him who has ultimately lay, laid hold of me. Right. And I think that's, that's conversion. When, when you're ready to just say all of me, you know, whatever, whatever I'm, it's, uh, there was another quote I, I remember hearing, it's the expulsive power of a new affection, hmm. whatever hmm. you formerly loved, it, it doesn't, it was expelled because you have this new affection, mm-hmm. which is for Jesus, and it's obviously everlasting. Um, but yeah, right. That also reminds me of a different parable, kind of in the opposite direction. the The parable of of the rich fool, mm. the one who instead of you know buying the field or um, all those, what he does is he tears down his barn, builds bigger barns, just continues to accumulate more wealth, more goods, more things, things that he thinks will bring him value and worth and ultimate, essentially salvation. They're, they're the idols in his life. And then Jesus sends it, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. The things you have prepared, those whose will they be? So this is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So yeah. he's doing all of these things and building all of these things. And yet his eternal you know, and is, is about to come upon him. Yeah. And I mean, the ethic, the ethic in the Christian life for that particular parable is we need to be very careful to not get distracted with worldly riches and worldly comforts. This world is not our home. That's not to say we can't be comfortable or have money and have houses and that, that it's just basically to say, that's not where we need to put all of our energy and stock into and uh, we need to invest in the kingdom and God has not called us to lives of comfort. That's for sure. But I was thinking about that catching the football though, as you were explaining that, that's every illustration falls short. That one almost falls short even more so because we picture this, who's a really great receiver on the Seahawks because I don't know anybody. I mean, everyone's excited about DK Metcalf right now because oh. he's massive, he's strong, he's faster than everybody, long arms, right? Can catch anything. So, and who's the quarterback? Uh, Geno Smith, right now. Is he amazing or not really? No, he. Well, he's the backup because Russell Wilson hurt oh, his finger. Okay. So, so uh, we we picture God as Russell Wilson, <laughs> and he throws right to the hands every time. Yeah. And and DJ, we're DJ Metcalf, right? DK, but yeah, whatever, DK. <laughs> DK Metcalf, and uh, but that's not true. Maybe there's at all. a good soccer analogy you could. <laughs> well, it's actually more like I, I'm just I, my kids. You probably did this when your kids are learning to catch a ball for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Right. You you set the like a baseball glove. You put the glove in their hands, and you're you basically are like three feet away, and you you lob this ball into the glove, and they yeah. think they caught it. But really, you <laughs> you put that glove there, you know, okay, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're ensuring it's not going to hit them in the face, you know. And to some degree, that's more like what what's happening here is God's like, I couldn't make this any easier for you. Just open your hands and just make sure nothing else is there and keep your eyes fixed on me. I'm going to lob this ball into your arms. Yeah. Jesus is Lord. There it is. It's right on the tip of your tongue. It's not this, you know, we're... Metcalf, you know, running right. down the field and we're <laughs> professionals and of course we're going to catch the ball. No, dude, we're like little kids. We don't yeah. even know how to really grab on to what it is. We just have these open hands and we're trusting that God is handing it uh, handing right. it to us. The sandlot, right? Where he tells the kid, just hold your glove yeah. like this and he hits the ball straight into the glove. Straight into the glove. <laughs> yeah, squ- uh, no, not squints. What's his name? 
Oh my gosh. Smalls. It's the smalls. Smalls. smalls, yeah. smalls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Killing yeah. me, smalls. Yeah. You're killing me, smalls. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. The other th- theme <laughs> oh, in here was uh, that I thought was really important is, and I used to hear this a lot when I would do street witnessing, is, well, God understands. God knows my heart. And it's it it's a passive way of appealing to sincerity. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping to somewhat establish, like, you could be and probably are sincerely wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul... Uh, what is oh, that guy Shapiro facts don't care about your feelings mm. okay and it's somewhat like that you know it's like that's what he says here I bear them witness <laughs> they have a zeal for God this is not according to knowledge mm. it's not according to the facts it's not according to the truth from scripture they have passion but it's baseless um, even though they could find some base and we justify everything that we have a zeal and passion for but it's not according to knowledge and and so I think it's important to make sure our sincerity is we're sincere in the truth. Um, but even then, it's it's not even necessarily about the depth of our sincerity um, or the depth of our faith, but on Christ, who is the end of the law. But that was another thing that he brought up in that book, uh, Michael Lawrence, on conversion. His other chapter, the first one was new, not nice. The second one was saved, not sincere. And I just thought that was a really funny thing in light of our culture and how so many people think that. I, I remember I had a friend who said that, who was living, a, he thought he was a Christian and lived a secular <laughs> lifestyle. And he said that to me one time, like, well, God knows my heart. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> he, he thought it was an appeal to like, God's okay with me doing whatever I want. And yeah. I'm like, uh, dude, are you, aren't you scared by that? And your heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the knowledge us, right? right there. Preach it. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, it, it's easy to, in retrospect, look back on the people of the nation of Israel and be like, oh man, they were sincerely wrong. But it, like, they had a lot of stuff they were basing uh, their actions off of like they have stuff given to them by God and that's where it's you got to look back through I mean we spent all that time in Amos at that conference yeah. recently and you can see it's very clear uh, that this special covenant with these people had been fulfilled in them not being able to do all the things they were supposed to do and now they're in exile and so if they could see it clearly, the whole picture clearly, they'd be desperately looking for the next solution that God was going to be offering them. And instead, they're still just clinging to the old rituals, the old rules. Um, and the, it's that that baggage that they can't let go of. We've been doing these things. We've been making these sacrifices. We've been doing these things all this time. And eventually it's going to work for us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like that word saved Hmm. is such a an important word going off of what you were just saying um because the implication of saved is is coming from the outside right but but when you think oh i can earn this or i can i'm a good enough person and you sort of appeal to your own like moral goodness or achievements or whatever it is like the word saved isn't 
in there because when we think mm-hmm. saved, we think someone rescued me from I was lost in the woods and these people came and saved me. I was in the ocean drowning. This person came and saved me. You know, we always have that. That's the image of being saved is someone came from the outside. I could not save myself. I could not get myself out of the situation. I could not ascend the hill, God's holy hill. I couldn't do it. And God came and he saved me. And that's that's Paul's prayer and heart's desire for his brothers, for his kinsmen in the flesh, for the fellow Jews, is that they would be saved, that um, from the outside they would be converted and that they would recognize that they're, they have a need for that. That's really the big thing is they don't recognize they have a need for it. Hmm. They're zealous for it. They think they can do it. They've got the law. They've got the prophets. They've got the name. Um, um, we're children. We're sons of Abraham. You know, they've got all of this. And all of that did was just say, oh, I'm good. I'm not drowning in the ocean. What are you talking about? I'm not lost in the woods. No, dude, I'm perfect. Yeah. This is great. Me and God were good. We're tight. Hmm. And they were totally... My my father's or my uh, my uncle's a pastor. Yeah, I'm I'm totally <laughs> good. I was baptized when I was five. I'm I'm totally good. Mm. And and they're they're appealing to those works, yep. and not essentially submitting to do. I'm not right with God, mm. and I'm I need God to make me right with Him. And that's yep. that's essentially <clears throat> salvation. That's conversion. That's that's the moment of Lord have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Rob, did you have any other thoughts on that? <laughs> no, no. All right. Rob's thinking clear it's right time, now. It's time to transition to Bible trivia. Oh, oh my goodness. I didn't forget this time. Are you guys ready? <laughs> oh. Here's your one. I, f- I feel like I got a good one that might stump you. All right. The Hebrew Bible, as well as. Uh, as the Old Testament and New Testament of the Christian Bible, only one woman is ever named as having leprosy. Lots of people have leprosy. Only one woman. Who is she? Can I get a hint? Can you get a hint? Yeah, one hint. Does her name start with the letter N? N? Yeah. No. Dang it. Okay. It starts with the letter before that <laughs> Miriam yes did you google it yes you on his laptop. Ah, I googled, you googled it. it come on Miriam. I can't believe you googled it you cheat oh, if you got it at home before Rob googled it send us an email <laughs> office at you, I can't believe Tell us you, you got it. that up you couldn't handle I guess losing. I never laid any ground rules about you know it's just good research that's all <laughs> wow anything is I, I'll is tell you this I, I had no idea and I never would have gotten it so Aaron's wife <sighs> Miriam oh. she was laughing oh. no grumbling grumbling about, uh, who is it about Moses's uh, selection of a, of a wife mm. from Ethiopia mm. or Cushite or Whichever translation of the Bible. You yes, use. that's a very well known. That's a great leprosy. question. That's an interesting. No one question. else, no other woman in the Bible <clears throat> ever had leprosy <clears throat> that we know. Of. Oh, I'm sure there, <laughs> there we were, know. but they were never named. Yeah. They weren't named. Yeah, that was it. They left right. out. You if definitely you got stumped that us. One, let us know. But you didn't stump Google.
Thank you for listening to this on Sunday episode of the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about Canby Christian Church and its ministries, go to canbychristian.org.